Welcome to the World of Critical Care. Today is a short episode. I wanted to provide a little clarity on the difference between an APTT versus a 10A assay. I was listening to my last episode and I just felt like I was a little bit unclear in the difference between these and why we use them. And I also think it's important because you're going to see a lot of clinical situations in critical care where one provider or pharmacist initiates a heparin drip with a 10A, and yet the next week you're going to see an APTT. And you're asking yourself, why on earth are we using one lab one day, the other lab the next day, the situations look identical? And so let's talk about it. The 10A is called an anti-10A. It's also called a chromogenic 10A assay. So remember, this lab, we're taking our citrated blue tube, we have our blood sample. What's going to happen in this lab is that we are going to add factor 10 to the sample. Now remember, heparin sulfate. So heparin has two mechanisms of action. One of them is its ability to interact and activate antithrombin 3, which prevents factor 10 from moving into activated factor 10, so 10A. So our blood sample will have heparin in it currently, and we're trying to understand what is our current heparinization level. So we add factor 10, and we, that's a known amount that's added, and we see how much factor 10A, so how much activated factor 10 do we have left. Now we have to come up with a way to measure how much activated 10 there is. And so we're able to then add factor 2, which is thrombin, and so we're going to be able to see that interaction between the activated factor 10A and thrombin factor 2, and it causes a color change, and so we have a yellow color change. And based upon the specific amount of color change that's seen in the lab, we're able to determine the level of anticoagulation, but we're specifically really looking at how much 10A do we have in the sample. Now, this is really important because, remember, heparin works on two different ways. We're going to have 10 to 10A inhibition, but we're also going to see it working later in the clotting cascade. Low molecular weight heparin, though, specifically works only on that inhibition of 10 to 10A. So medications like Lovenox really only interact with 10 to 10A, whereas heparin, of course, we have inhibition of 10 to 10A, but also we have that inhibition later on in the cascade. And so one of the reasons we use a 10A lab is it's specifically looking at that critical step, because remember, our intrinsic and extrinsic pathways both terminate in the 10 to 10A step, which is the beginning of our common pathway. And that's one reason we use a 10A. Now, an APTT, remember, that's that activated partial thromboplastin time. Now, this is specifically going to induce that intrinsic pathway. So we're exposing it to collagen. And because of that, we're going to be looking at things such as factor 12, 11, 8, 10, 5, 2, and factor 1. 
But remember, with this lab in particular, it's going to be something that is affected by heparin inhibiting factors 10 to 10a. But remember, heparin also will help inhibit thrombin. And remember, when we're looking at our clotting cascade, thrombin goes into, so we're going to have our factor 2, which is thrombin, but then we move into factor 2a, so that activated thrombin, and of course we have that prothrombin activator, which makes it happen. But heparin sulfate, of course, also works with the inhibition at that step. And so typically, APTT can give us an indication at the very end of the clotting cascade what our level of anticoagulation is. And so if we're measuring heparin, which works on multiple places in the clotting cascade, this, in theory, could give us a greater examination of the full clinical picture. But remember, heparin, something like a low molecular weight heparin, we can't really measure that exact level with this lab because, again, it's only working on 10 to 10A. And so those are our general differences. And of course, too, as a brief reminder, the PT, so the prothrombin, that's a measure of our extrinsic pathway. And of course, how do we start that? We add tissue factor, starts our extrinsic pathway. So we're measuring factors 1, 2, 5, 7, and 10. But again, our extrinsic and intrinsic, remember, they both terminate in the common pathway. And what is that common pathway? That is 10 and it is activated, so we now have activated 10A, and then we're able to move through our common pathway. So 10 binds kind of forms that dimer complex with factor 5. So we have prothrombin to thrombin to fibrinogen to fibrin, and now we're able to have that fibrin mesh fit over our platelet plug in coagulation. And so why does it matter with these two labs? So when you start to look at a lot of the data out there, you start to see conflicting results, especially with a lot of pharmacists out there. You're going to see different critical care providers and surgeons talking about the difference between these. From the information I've read, what you start to see is the following. A lot of people would argue that if you initiate a heparin drip, a 10A can potentially move us into the goal therapeutic range more quickly than we can with an APTT. And remember, a heparin drip, we can measure with either an APTT or a 10A. Now, if we're using low molecular weight heparin, we can only use a 10A. Now, the discussion, though, is does that 10A, that heparin level, match our clinical picture? Meaning, we may have a therapeutic 10A value but we might have concerns in our clinical situation that our patient is more coagulopathic than we think. We think they may be more anticoagulated than we think. Potentially, we're having more bleeding than we're expecting. And so that's where a lot of the research is saying that there's a concern that though our 10A may be ideally therapeutic, our APTT may be higher than expected. And so what you start to see is that in some of the research, there's some arguments that an APTT may give us a better picture of our actual level of anticoagulation clinically, but it can be a bit more challenging to move the heparin drip into that goal therapeutic range when we're only using 
the APTT or that PTT. And so I think that's a very interesting discussion, and I think it bears witness when you see different pharmacists initiating heparin drips with one lab or the other. You'll see this with clinicians. They may initiate a drip on a 10A, but but the, but the way they see the patient, they see increased bleeding, they then run in a PTT and they go, oh, we actually are more anticoagulation than we, anticoagulated than we thought. And so those are the things that I think you think about. And those are the reasons why you may see one lab or the other, or you may see a mix of both when we're trying to understand the clinical situation. So I hope this is somewhat helpful. It's a really interesting topic. It's worth reading about. I think you just see a lot of really rich discussion about why we might use one lab or the other when we're talking about heparin and how we try to get heparin drips ideally therapeutic. And if you've worked in critical care, you know getting heparin drips to be therapeutic is really challenging. I feel like there's like two out of 10 patients that are just perfect, like boom, you get it right, it's perfectly therapeutic, you don't have any issues. But I would say the majority of your patients, you tend to be pretty consistently increasing, decreasing your heparin drips, you're having to bolus, you're having to pause. And I've always found over the years, it tends to be a challenge finding that perfect balance to have your anticoagulation levels just right with heparin drips. And so these are the two labs, though, that we typically are looking at. Now, in a few days, I'm going to release the planned episode that I was going to release today, which we're going to be looking at some of our other uh, IV anticoagulants that are commonly used. We're going to talk about our Gatraban. We're going to talk about bivalirudin and the ways in which why we might use those in place of heparin how they might be unique, how we measure their levels of anticoagulation, and some of the specific considerations we have for those medications. So look for that episode in the next few days.